little quickie. I shouldn't say little quickie. Quickie. <laughs> little quickie. How are you? What's going on? Man, nothing. Just uh, living my best life. Um, I just went to Home Goods. I got okay. I got a painting. I got a office uh, calendar, like a whiteboard. I got um, some other miss. I got more. I'm obsessed with coasters. I'm like, I love coasters. Like, I don't know what it is about coasters, but I just feel like everyone needs coasters. Like, I love that. A quick coaster story. So when Eric and I um, got married, we got married at Athens, Ohio. So when we come back for homecoming, it'll actually be the first time that we've gone back since he graduated. So we're really excited for that because obviously that's a place where we like deepened our relationship and got married. But one of my friends, Carrie, she literally made custom coasters for us. And it had like latitude and longitude of Athens, Ohio. It had like Athens stuff, Dayton stuff, like merging these two cities that like we call home. And like, it was so fucking sweet. And I still have those coasters. I love coasters. Like I have some marble looking ones right now. And I just got some new ones and they're, I got them from home goods and they're much better quality than the ones I have now. And I am so excited. I even have like a coaster rack. Um, I don't know why I like them so much. It's almost like, have you ever had like an obsession with notebooks where you have to have a bunch of notebooks? Like, I feel like everybody does because it's so like pleasing to have a bunch of notebooks. People that are type A, I've had that. And now my obsession is coasters. So I think seasonally, I'd like to have like Halloween coasters as like my like, and like Christmas coasters as like my decor. Yeah. Like for my house, like instead of, instead of redoing the whole thing, cause you know, some people really decorate, I'm not into decorating, but I'd like to have like a little touch like that. Like, Oh, it's Christmas. I have my Christmas coasters. I have, you know, so team coasters. I'm I love coasters. that. No, I said, Eric and I are like thinking about moving soon. And so like, I refuse to accumulate stuff, but whenever I'm in like, what I think is going to be my forever home, like I want to be the crazy house with Halloween decorations. Like I want, I want to be that bitch because like Halloween to me, especially because of OU, like it's so special. So like, I want to go ham. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, guys, we're talking about a pretty heavy topic today. And the questions Ooh. that I'm going to be asking Britt are not coming from a place of anything negative. It is merely questions that I've always wanted to ask a Black person because I do not <laughs> so- know Black culture. I mean, that's yeah. the thing though. So the topic is going to be a white girl asks a Black girl questions that She's always wanted to know because I'm scared to ask these questions because I don't want to be branded as like, oh, well, you're like an uncultured racist or anything negative because I'm not like I like there are differences and like I want to learn so I can understand my friend better. And like, that's just where it's coming from. And and there are going to be some people that might think that these questions are stupid, Um, like a couple of like not all of them, but like, you know, you might think all of them are stupid. You might be like, of course you should know that. But honest to God, like some people just don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's important to open the floor for some more understanding from a person that is open to receiving questions like this and open to receiving um, just, just shit. Like I I hear people, especially, okay, I'm just going to be candid. I hear white people like wonder the craziest things about black people. And they're too afraid to ask any questions because they don't want to be offensive. Um, and I think that that's partly the black on the black community from not being open 
to receiving questions or receiving understanding. Um, and so, and there's also like on the other flip side, there's some intimidation too. Like I'm too intimidated to ask this person that question because it's personal and it's a sensitive topic. And I feel like I cannot do that. So we're doing that today. Um, and I think it's going to be cool. I'm a little nervous for, I'm not going to lie because I'm not too sure what type of feedback we're going to get from it, but who cares? Um, I think it's important for, I think it's important for one, my friend to understand me better. And then also for me to feel understood. So this is a conversation between two friends. Um, and that's all you really have to look at it as you don't have to look at it as anything else other than a conversation between two friends. Absolutely. So. And with that being said, we'll start with easier ones first, because like <laughs> the easier, <laughs> the easier ones. Well, like, again, like <laughs> these are questions that like were instilled upon me from a small child that like either I was like taught from like my community growing up as a kid, or that maybe I heard from so-and-so. And so it's like, I don't know if they're true. I, you know, someone told me they were true. So it has to be true, but clearly that shit ain't true. So my first question, why don't black people like cats? That was told this as a kid, <laughs> that black people don't like cats. Why? <laughs> So um, cats are, it's not a cultural thing. I wouldn't say it's like a black person thing, but I, most of the time with my friends, and this is just my personal experience. So remember my answers to these questions are going to be based on personal experience. Um, and so I think that the reason why that's assumed is because just most black people don't have cats. Like, honestly, like Honestly, most of them just don't, we, we have dogs. Um, well, me personally, I'm a little bit different. I actually really like cats. Um, most black people don't have cats. Um, and in previous culture, like from ancestry, black cats are looked at as something that is bad luck. Um, they're looked at as something that is not, and, and honestly, I think a lot of like black folk actually don't even know this about themselves. Um, but it's, they're, they're looked at as a sign of bad luck in some cultures in Africa. So we don't really have like a ton of cats. And not um, even black cats, like all cats, just cats are. Yeah. And then also um, most black people are allergic to cats for some reason. Um, yeah. So I don't know what it is, but most, I, I don't, I don't think I know any one black person that hasn't told me like I, for some, some way, shape or form, oh, I'm allergic to cats. So I don't like cats. So if you're allergic to cats, it's like, oh, I don't like them. Um, yeah. So that happens. It, it happens. It's, I don't think, I think that that is like a big assumption on, on like your end and what you were taught with your family. Mm -hmm. um, but if I can, me trying to rationalize why you would hear that, those are the reasons why I would think that you would hear something like that. It's mostly from being intolerant of them. And then mm -hmm. also culturally them being looked at as bad luck or demons or whatever um, from just past culture. So, and I think that a lot of black people wouldn't even know that now. So that's just me guessing. Um, but those are the, probably the reasons why my family grew up. So for those of you that don't know, I'm half black. Um, well, not even half, probably like a quarter, to be honest with you. Um, but we, like had cats and my mom's Portuguese. So we love cats, um, but that's not the case for every single family. So that's crazy. I feel like we need like a family feud, like good answer. Cause that was a good answer. That's awesome. I learned <laughs> something. See, I learned something. Yeah. And again, like this is from, I'm assuming like why you would hear something like that from my own background. Um, but it could be a completely different thing for somebody else too. So just remember sure. that. No, for mm -hmm. sure. Next question. Why are black people afraid of water? I've always been like taught or told, not taught, but told that like, 
Black people are afraid of water. They can't swim because they they like like they don't float. And I was like, what? Oh my god! I was like, they don't like they can't float. I was like, what does that mean? Like their bones Um, are different. What the fuck? No. Okay. So (laughs) we're the same people. Like we have the same anatomical structure of most people. Uh, We just might have bigger butts. that was praise God. Um, but let's see. Um, why would it, why would you hear that? Uh, because, okay. So our hair, right. Mm. So a lot of, if you put for a woman, if you put heat on your hair, um, you can't go, you you can't swim, right? Like you can't go into the water because your hair will get fucked up. So I think that you're hearing that because we generally, if we have heat on our hair, we'll not go into the water. It doesn't mean that we don't like the water. We just prefer to stay clear of it due to like potentially messing up the quality of our hair um, Mm -hmm. or messing up like our hair in general. If it's in a weave, uh, if it's in braids, you can't really like dunk your hair, your head into the water because your hair will get like your head will get fuzzy quicker. Um, So your braids will kind of depreciate faster over time. Um, I don't know if it's the same for men to be honest. I don't know if it's the same for black men. Um, but for, for black women, for sure, I've, I've avoided water because my hair was pressed. I've avoided water because my hair was braided. Um, doesn't mean I can't swim or doesn't mean I don't like to swim. I will swim if my hair is natural. I will swim if my hair is not like done. Um, but in most, in a lot of cases for black women, like they, if they don't wear their hair out, like I do, it's done a certain way to the point where they can't really get into water or they have to wrap it. So like when they, when they take a shower, they'll wrap their hair. Mm-hmm. Um, or like when I, when my hair's in braids, I will put it in a bonnet, um, so that it doesn't get wet even when I shower. So, interesting. Yep. Okay. So that kind of brings me to the next question. Like you're saying these, these phrases like, like pressed braids, mm-hmm. weave, what are those? And like, how is that different? Like, cause obviously like my hair is just like, I don't know, it's just white people hair. So like, how does black hair differ? And essentially like, what are the different things that like you're able to do to it? to make it like so different and stylish that like obviously white people are not able to do because they don't have that texture. It's yeah. So what I'm talking about is kink. So we call it kink. So my hair is kinky. It's, 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 hey. yeah. Kinky. <laughs> it's, kinky. Uh, it's um, it has a texture to it to the point where um, doing things to it takes an extraneous amount of effort because of the type of hair it is. And there are different types of hair. There's different hair types. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, we use numbers and, and letters to like, to describe the hair type. I don't remember what my hair type is. I wish I did for this conversation. Um, but there's different types to where, like, if you go to a hair salon, you can say, I'm type this, this is what I need to be. This is what needs to be done to my hair. Holy shit. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like having a skin type. Yeah. or a skin color. It's like that. It's like the way that your hair is kinked or how, how the way that it is in general, like no, then the, the thing is about hair is that nobody's hair texture is the same. Mm-hmm. It is only similar. So like I could say my hair type is similar to my sister's, but her hair type is still different than mine. And it will, it will always across. It's like kind of having a fingerprint, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I say things like uh, having your hair in a weave, basically it means that you sew in, um, extensions of hair. So that's a weave uh, and you sew it into the back of your head. Um, 
when I say braided, obviously it means like your hair is braided. It can either be braided in feeder braids, like against the head, the ones that I usually do that you see me do. Um, and those are my preferred because I personally don't like having my hair braided for more than like two weeks, three weeks. Um, and so having individual braids. So those are the ones that you see are like kind of look like actual hair when they're small enough. Um, so I've, I do that sometimes, but personally, like I like my hair so much, my natural hair that I want to take my braids out like within a few weeks. And if you get individuals, those stay in for a long time, those yeah. stay in, those can stay in for like, if you take care of them, like two months. Wow. Um, does it hurt to get your hair like braided? Cause like, I feel like that would hurt the scalp, like painful. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, it does. If you're, we call it being tender headed. So mm-hmm. if you, um, if you are tender in the scalp or let's say sometimes over time, you don't get, you're not used to the people touching your hair head anymore. So mm-hmm. your scalp is more, um, is more sensitive. Uh, so we call it being tender headed when you are sensitive to being braided or your hair being done, because you do have to pull things tightly, um, so that they stay that way. Um, and then when I say things like pressed, it just makes that means in, I don't want to say in your language, but for you, like straightened hair is straightened, oh, okay. so pressed, but being pressed is different than just, um, straightening your hair, straightening your hair. When I think of that word, I think you just take your straightener and you just like fucking go over it and that's it. Like you just go over it and you make it straight. And it could take you probably like 15 minutes to do. Like me, if I go get my hair done and I get it pressed, it means that like they blow dried it. They um, treated it with special oil before they did it. um, And they put heat on it and it's a special presser. It's not like a straightener. It's like an iron press that really gets the hair follicles to be super, super neat. Um, because sometimes just regular straighteners don't work. Like you can't use just regular straighteners sometimes because they're not hot enough. And when you use like an iron, you literally light it like over a fire um, and then you you pull the hair. So it's different. It's a lot more extensive. Holy shit, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn, I learned so much in that. Like that's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. All right, now that these are kind of like the heavier questions. Um, are there differences in the black community and black culture between being like full on, like having black parents, both mom and a dad and like Mm -hmm. being mixed. Yes, absolutely. And this is why I said earlier, my experience is quite different Mm -hmm. um, from most black people because I am mixed. Um, My household I grew up in was half. um, And even my dad's side, who is my black side, he's also mixed. Um, So I have a lot of intermingling. Um, so I'm kind of like, I'm very different, but I've been involved and can connect with different cultures very well. Like my mom's Portuguese and a quarter Chinese. Um, so I'm like everybody, I'm like everything. Um, but when it comes to the differences, like, yes, um, it's an unspoken thing though. So like, I would be classified as like light skinned. Mm-hmm. So when people, when people address me in the black community and they say, do you know, Brittany? They'll be like, oh, that little light skin girl. Mm-hmm. That's, that's usually what they say because I'm, I'm not dark skin. I'm not like, I'm not fully black. And it's easy to tell that I'm not fully black. Um, <clears throat> for someone that is dark skinned, their experience as a black person. And I want, I want people to understand this on this podcast. I hope that you really, you get something out of this. If it's anything, 
a dark-skinned person's experience as a black person is wildly different than a light-skinned person's experience because light-skinned people like myself have a little bit more a little bit more privilege and it's unspoken and it's and it's given by society this is not me being like oh i have more privilege than i'm a light-skinned girl it's just it is what it is mm-hmm. and it's something that um we don't talk about a lot or nor do I think we talk about enough in the black community. I'm very well aware of my privilege and I use my privilege to the best of my ability to do things like this, to bring awareness to black culture. Um, because I know that I have a different experience. And sometimes I have to ask my black girlfriends like, Hey, like, like, for example, I'll give you an example. I went to the store with one of my friends. Um, this was years ago, probably in 2017. And she's a dark skin, she's a dark skin woman. And we went to the store and these ladies were like following us. They were like, it was like in the store owned by, um, <clears throat> by these women. And they were, they were white and they were like following us around the store. And I was like, why are they following us around the store? And my homegirl was like, oh, they think we're stealing something. That's why. And I was like, what? Because I've, I've never, I have never experienced that. Like I've personally never experienced that because of my shade. Nobody's thinking like, oh, she's stealing something because I'm not dark skin. And so I was like, hey, like, does that happen to you a lot? And she was like, yeah, all the time, all the time. And so this is, that's what I'm talking about. Those are things I don't experience that she experiences and she knows it's normal as fuck for her. So she, she knows that people are following her around the store because they think that she's stealing. And that's, that's solely due to her, to her um, skin color. So you can see the differences in privilege there. I don't get, I don't get hounded for shit. Um, I, I don't look like I'm fully black. Um, but I don't look like I'm fully anything else. So nobody really presses me. But when I'm with my dark skin, like homies, my, my homegirls, their experiences, the way they speak, what they do day to day is different than what I do. And that is okay. Um, but there is also no like, Britney's not black type of thing. Um, it's always like, of course she is. Of course, like she's welcome here. And um, so, yeah, it, it's really important for people to understand that there is privilege even in the black community based on your skin color. Um, there, just like there's pretty p- privilege, right? Like there's pretty privilege, privilege across cultures, across all cultures, same thing here. Um, and so we can't discount that in each person's experience. Yeah. That really makes my heart really sad hearing that story. Like really sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it made me sad. I was like, yeah. what? But you have to understand, like, I was so taken back from it because I don't experience that. Yeah. So I was like, so that was something for me to learn in that moment. My dad, I remember um, when I was little, my dad, bless his heart. My dad has always made it a point to make sure that I understand and I know that I am, I am black um, because I'm so light skinned. And because if I wanted to, I could suppress it. I could suppress the fuck out of it if I wanted sure. to. Um, and my dad told me when I was little, he goes, you are black and I need you to understand that. However, your experience will always be different than other people that are darker than you. And I need you to understand that. And whatever the fuck you do, like, please, please, please use whatever you have to elevate the community. 
And that is real and true. And that is something that I still do to this day. Um, because yes, there is, there is some privilege going on, um, that I think a lot of light-skinned people would not, um, they wouldn't identify, but it's just the fucking truth. Yeah. And you can see it like you can see it in the way, like you saw it, that story I just told you, like, there's no way there people don't fake that shit. And I was literally in it. I was literally like, why the fuck are these bitches following us in the fucking store? Like, you know, so yeah. yeah. I'll be honest. I'm actually tearing up right now. Just hearing like your dad's vulnerability with you and like hearing that story like that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, moving on. So I don't ball my fucking eyes out. Um, we keep talking about black culture. What is that? Like, what does it mean to be black? Like, what is it? What is the culture like in the black community? That's a hard question to answer, but like, obviously you've seen differences between black culture and like white culture. So like, essentially, like, what does it mean? Like, this is the time that I want to hear like what it means to you. Cause I think that's important. Um, black culture. How do I explain it? Um, it has a lot to do with, I think, the way you express yourself, mm-hmm. mannerisms. Um, we use certain words when we're comfortable with each other. Things like, I don't know, nigga, mm-hmm. finna, like shit like that. Um, ain't like those are all like words that like are associated with uh, black culture. And a lot, a lot of the black culture you'll see is actually if in hip hop, in music. Um, so if you go into like the history of hip hop, uh, it, it has a lot to do with like black advocacy, mm-hmm. um, art, graffiti. Um, and these are things that are demonized. Like these are th- like two hip hop rap is like super sexualized and all that shit. Well, it, it's actually an art. It wasn't, it, it wasn't still is an art. Um, graffiti is looked at as something that's tagging or gang related, but really graffiti started as an art. Um, and how black people express themselves during times of uh, during times of racism and prejudice and things like that. Um, and so that's where it started. But it's looked at as something as like it's bad. You shouldn't be tagging things. Mm-hmm. But it was really an art. Um, it also is about food. So it's how you celebrate things. Like what types of food? What is soul? Like soul food is is basically black culture food right so things like greens things like fried chicken shit like that like things that would be deemed you know soul food are from the black community yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it at that um so basically like how you celebrate how you move how you dance how you like all of those things um can like can kind of create this this culture and also how you were raised. Um, and it's also how, how you go about life. There we go. How do you make decisions in life mm-hmm. um, based on who you are? Um, how are you treated? Stuff like that all creates this identity in one person. So it's not just like one thing or another that that is like, oh, that's black culture. Mm-hmm. It's how the person makes decisions. It's how other people treat them and how they bite back to people like, right. So, and how they speak all of those things, just like any other culture, but it's a little bit different because it's a little bit more fluid in America. So if you go places like Africa, there are different subsets of cultures in each, in each area, like, and so when you come to 
America, Black culture is very different than African culture. African culture is complete. It's, it's, a, it's, I, it's kind of lost uh, out here. And you can tell because when they come from different areas, uh, they're like, oh, we're not Black, we're African. Um, and so those, there's a discrepancy there in difference. Um, yeah. So it's kind of hard to explain what Black culture is, but you kind of know it when, you, all I will say is that you know it when you see it um, and you can tell who embodies it, mm-hmm. like who truly embodies it um, based on their mannerisms, how they speak, uh, what, they, what they like to do, what they like to eat and how their body, or sorry, not how their body and how their family um, raised them. So mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. It's really no, difficult. It does. It's really difficult to explain. No, um, I think you did a good job. It's it's literally a way of life, but then you you explain like how you express. Yeah, it's a way of life. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a way of life, and and how you make decisions and all of that. It's kind of like it's like bodybuilding almost. Yeah, you know, you know, you you live a lifestyle. Yeah, and, and then you kind of answered my next question. My next question was like, what is like the correct term? Is it black? Is it African American? Is it something else? But I think you kind of answered it. But I'll let you answer it as well, just to make sure that I understood. Yeah. So, um, it really depends on the person. So Mm -hmm. I'm okay with being called black. I'm okay with that because, or being part of black culture in America, because I am, I don't really have anything that I identify with other than my skin tone. Like there's everything else. Like I'm so fluid. Like I'm, I'm okay with being called that, but there are some people that cut like first generation come from different countries in Africa. Um, that do not want to be called that. Like they are African or like, if you want to use like their specific country, they want to be called, you know, African based on like, okay, I'm Nigerian, I'm Ethiopian, I'm this or that. Um, And they don't want to be called anything else. It's kind of like calling someone Mexican versus Salvadorian. Like Salvadorians don't want to be called Mexican because they're not Mexican. So it's, it's the same, it's the same thing just because we have similar, um, looks in our skin tone and our facial features, stuff like that. They are very, very different. Um, and the way that they live their life in their culture is very, very different. And then you come here and it's literally a melting pot here. Everyone, everyone is, um, everyone's similar, but different in their own way. Um, so if you go to like the South, for example, their black culture is so robust. It's very robust. Um, and that is just due to that area being hung up over slavery for a longer amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have held on to their culture very differently. HBCUs are different in, co- in college um, down in the South than they are up up north or on the west coast or the east coast you'll find different subsets of black culture in those areas even music is different so if you listen to west coast music or west coast hip-hop versus east coast hip-hop very different um but same thing different but same so i can say that i've lived in ohio and then when i moved to charleston like Mm -hmm. the black culture here is I don't want this to sound demeaning, but it's beautiful because it's all included in family and inclusivity and they celebrate their culture. Like you see it with the way that they celebrate Sundays at church. 
Like it's very like gospel focused. It's very like just preserving like what they grew up with. And it's really awesome to see. And they're always happy, always a smile on their face. Like it's awesome. Like I walk by a church on Sunday morning, everyone's smiling. Everyone has their hair done up. They have these like beautiful like outfits on that like are resemblance of like something that you might see in a movie. Like it is really cool to see. It really honestly is. It sounds like a, a, a culture of, it sounds like African. It's I don't know. I don't know where, if you're talking about like drapery and like, like clothing and stuff, cause they do that on Sundays. So like, that's something that like I, for example, don't do mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't do that. Like, cause that's not my culture. Um, and it doesn't mean that I wouldn't like, if I were going to like a wedding and I needed to wear like a dashiki or something like that, like that would, well, not a dashiki, it would be something else. It'd be, it'd be like a more formal thing for a woman, but like just a celebration in general, right? Like I, I don't really like when I go celebrate something, I don't think, oh, I got to go do that. Like, but they do, that is their, that is their way of expressing themselves. Um, but so they're a subset or, or I don't even know if it would be called a subset, but they're another type of black culture that you, you might find different than like my own or somebody else's. That makes sense. These next ones, I'll be honest, they're a little heavy because like, that's just the questions that I have. It's just ones that I'm, I'm curious about. So how do you feel about white people trying to be woke as fuck when it comes to like racism and uplifting the black culture? Like, do you find that demeaning? Do you find it supportive? Like what can white people do better or maybe not at all? So that way, like your voices aren't essentially silenced by because white people are speaking louder. You know, that makes that make sense. Yeah, I will say because I'm, I'm going to speak from my own like opinion here and I won't speak for other black people. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm not speaking for other black people at all in this conversation anyway. Um, I think that there is a degree of just a lack of trust. It's mm-hmm. like, why are you doing that? Um, because every time we're advocated for something fucking happens and it shows your true colors. It shows what you really be thinking behind closed doors. And sometimes I do wonder what, um, what is said behind closed doors from my white friends. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like it is something that happens in your brain, um, that where you're like, I wonder, I wonder if they like actually feel that way, you know, like, or what, what have they said behind closed doors? Maybe that would have been offensive and you can't sit there and wonder about those things and reject support because of the things that you're wondering. Like, and I find that to be very real and true for a lot of people, um, where they just don't trust, uh, they just don't trust the support because it always, or in, in past times has always blown up in our faces. Um, no matter, like you see it all the time, um, where supporting black people tends to be a trend and it tends to be something that white people do to make it seem like they're good people when really they could care less because, it does has nothing to do with their life. It does not affect their life. Um, and so if something does not affect your life, like why would you be inclined? Like, and that, those are things that honestly, this is just very heavy. This is very heavy, but it is the real thing. This is why, um, there is sometimes some bite back on support. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, like she want to support black people now. Ha ha. That's funny. Cause uh, five years ago, she said X, Y, and Z. Right. And so, it's, it's a little bit difficult to just trust because we have to, you have to look at it this way. White people are raised a certain way by a certain generation 
that was living in a certain time that was probably okay to say certain things. Now their kids are growing up in a time where it is not okay for them to say certain things, or they've figured out, okay, that's not okay for me to do morally at all. Like, and so, yes, there are going to be some opinions that were instilled in them from birth. Like, and so it's really difficult for us to like, trust that because it's like, you were, you grew up that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really difficult to change the mind of someone who does not want to admit that they were grow that they grew up in a place that was probably really fucked up to black people. And they don't want to, they just don't want to admit it. And that is, that is hard. Instead, this conversation, for example, does create trust because it's like, okay, you're, you're genuinely wondering how I feel. You're genuinely, you're genuinely caring about like my experiences and you want to learn about them and you want to put it out to the world. Okay. I can trust you. And hopefully you continue to do those things. Like you continue, not just with me, but with other people to be supportive in that. Right. Um, and as far as like what you should and shouldn't do and can and can't do, to be honest with you, I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think that there has to just be genuine, um, openness to it. And I also think that like, white people have to stop being so intimidated to ask questions. Um, And black people, because there's things that black people need to do too. Black Mm -hmm. people need to stop putting like face palming white people when they're trying to be supportive or when they're just trying to ask you questions. Like they're literally just wondering. um, And there cannot be support that's created unless somebody understands you. So if you don't give them the uh, the opportunity to understand you by just being forthcoming in, in who you are and being yourself around them, then how are you ever going to get the genuine support that we, that you need? Like how, like if we're not going to be open to those things. And I think that sometimes we, and I've done this too, get really closed off. Like, and we're like, oh shit. Like, I don't, I don't think I want to be myself. Like, I don't think I really want to answer those questions. I don't know what they're doing. What are you trying to do? Um, and at the end of the day, like, like, we don't come from wealth. You come from wealth. Like you, like you get to do all that. We don't. So like, why would you even care? And so, um, there has to be on both ends, like a more, a a more room for these types of safe conversations to happen. Um, and I know that there is a lot of feeling also on the black community's end of just feelings of helplessness and defeat, because no matter what, like, yeah, we're having this conversation, but it's probably not honestly not going to change the world. And the world is still going to be what it is. There's still going to be a huge gap in wealth. There's still going to be a huge gap in privilege. And it will be that way for probably ever. It will never change. And so there is a, a learned helplessness too, where well, if I say those things, like what's really going to change, why would I give all my efforts for that? Um, and so just things like that, I think there needs to be development both on our side and on your side, like to, and it just really, there really needs to be more open conversations, um, and genuine like care. And also I think that as generations go on and we get further and further from slavery, we get further and further in time from, a lot of uh, racism and shit like that that's happened in the past, it might close the gap a little bit in understanding, but it will not close the gap in privilege. It will not close the gap in wealth. It will not close the gap in um, ancestral pain. It just won't. 
So there just has to be more uh, openness and conversation, but I don't have the true answer. I know what, I know why there is such a discrepancy though. And it's just not being open to having conversations like this. Yeah, no, I think that was a great answer. Cause like, obviously like, you know, I sat down with Eric and I was like, like talking about the questions that I had and, you know, he's always like, well, how's our girl doing? Because we love you. We care about you. We want to understand you, but we want to understand all of you, not just like, you know, bodybuilding Brit, not just coach Brit, like, like all the hats that you wear and identify as we want to understand and learn so we can love and support. And that's honestly where all these questions are coming from. It's just because like, I just want to understand. Yeah. But that also you have to understand too, takes in order for you to be able to ask those questions, you have to feel safe enough to do it. Yeah. So without me be, oh, being open armed saying, Hey, of course you can ask anything you want. Mm-hmm. Like without that, you will never know those answers. And that's where most white people are. Like they're, they're like, I, I guess I'll never know. Like I, I guess I'll never know because I don't really have a black friend or somebody I can connect with that is willing to be open like that. Right. Um, and so, and it, it is what it is, but that's why I'm saying it there, it is on both sides. It's not just on your side. It's not just on my side. It's on everyone's side to to be able to be open and say like, yes, like I want to give you those answers um, so you can understand me a little bit more. And so that, yeah, like there can't be, um, you can't be halfway open with this type of shit. Like you have to be completely yourself. You have to give, you have to give in order to receive. So, and I know on our ends, it's like, well, we've been giving so long. Like we've been, we were slaves and this and that. Like, yes, correct, correct. We will always have to work harder. It is what it is, but that does not mean you don't stop. Like it, it doesn't mean you stop. Like in, in, there are going to be people that disagree with me for that. And that's fine, but I'm here for people to understand myself and then the people that want to be understood. So, I mean, you're doing your dad proud, right? Like you're using like in his word, your, your privilege to mm-hmm. uplift the black community and black culture. And I think that's really awesome that you're doing that because most like speaking for white people, like most white people just want to understand so we can love and support. Not everyone's like that, of course. Like there are some people that are truly, truly racist and have hate in their heart, which I cannot relate. I cannot understand. Um, but having these open and honest conversations, it might not change the world, but hopefully it'll change ours. And I think that's worth something. Yeah. So that, you know, it just takes a little bit at a time. Right. So, Yeah. Those are really all of my like major questions. Like, like I said, we started off a little easier with the uh, the cat in the water and now we like ended on some heavy stuff. But is there anything that you kind of want to like touch on last minute or anything else you want to say to kind of conclude? Because like, I want you to be heard because I think you have something worth saying. Hmm. I have had a lot of clients of mine and then also potential clients and also friends tell me like, I, it's so refreshing to see a coach in the industry just being black, like just being like, I love that you, you haven't changed the way that you interact with people. You interact with people the way that you know that, that, that you are. When there are a lot of people that would change the way that they interact, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to stop saying nigga. Like, it's, I'm sorry. Like, I just, that is who I am. Like, I don't feel like I have to stop. Um, as long as I'm addressing another black person, it's fine. 
Like, and I'm not going to stop doing that. Um, and there are a lot of people that mute those things and not just the word nigga, but you, you understand what I'm saying. They mute themselves so that they can fit into a mold, especially in bodybuilding where it's predominantly what you'll see are elite athletes that are, um, that are people of color. You won't see a lot of coaches you like you just don't like elite coaches like think of any think think do you are there any elite coaches in the industry making millions that are not white cisgender males can you think of any no okay so yeah and same thing for for people that own teams in the nfl nba like can we think of any that are or own like own the NBA or own the NFL. Cause it's a lot of different shares. Yeah. Like are, are any of them black, white, or like, are, are any of them anything other than white cisgender males? No. Um, they're all, all the colored people are players because they have great genetics. Um, and they might not be like verbally, like capitalizing on like, like, Hey, like, we want that black person over here because they have great genetics. They, they know this innately, um, but they don't talk about it. And it's just the reality of things. Um, but I get so taken back when people tell me that, when people are like, it's so nice to see like someone just being themselves. It makes me want to work with you. It makes me feel comfortable with you. Um, and so I guess what I want to say is like, if you are trying to come up as a coach and you are anything other than a white cisgender male, be yourself mm-hmm. um, as much as humanly possible, because there's going to be times where you're not yourself there's, or that you feel like you can't be. There are times when I want to post stuff and I like delete it because I'm like, uh, people won't like that. Or that's a little bit, that's a little bit too ghetto. Um, yeah. Or, you know, like sometimes I won't do that. Sometimes I'll only, ref- sometimes I'll refrain all of my like blackness, I guess, if you will, for close friends. And I won't do it from like my, my actual feed yeah. Um, yeah. because I'm not sure who's going to take that. I don't know how they're going to take it. Um, and so I'm working on that in myself to continue to provide me to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get so many thank yous for it. And sometimes I just don't know why and i'm i'm working on knowing and understanding why um but i also think that other people should really really hone in on who they are and don't and not stop um what they what they're used to in themselves and don't suppress it um nobody should feel like they should suppress themselves um but specifically like in the black community definitely i think i know only like one female black coach that's pretty good. And that would be Ashley Jones. Yep. Other than that, I don't really hear about it. I don't see it. Um, and there could be a lot more. I could be, I'm just talking about the visible ones, the ones that are visible. Um, cause there is just a lack of visibility. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I know that there's a lack of visibility. Um, and that might be why I'm being thanked, but, uh, yeah. No, I think that's awesome, dude. I really do. Um, I think that's a good place to end it because it ends with a good thought and kind of something to challenge both like black people and black culture, but also the white community. Cause like you said, it's on, it's on both fronts to come together and love and curiosity and support. 
And that's like how we essentially change, you know, the world and the community that you're in. Even if it doesn't change the world, it can still change yours. And that's something that like my English teacher, Mr. Kirch, instilled upon us our senior year. It's like, don't focus on changing the world, change your world, because that's what matters. Yeah. And but, there's so, you have to think like, there are billions of realities on the planet, right? So it's not like thinking too far, like beyond your own spectrum of what is in your like realm of like capable, like change, like what you can actually change and what you're capable of doing sometimes can feel like a lot. Like that feels like, why would I do all that? It's not going to change anything. Um, but your reality is, is the only reality that you're living in, um, at the end of the day. So working to create understanding in yourself and therefore will create a ripple effect in other people. And that's all, that's, that's what that means. Basically change your world because the people you do have people around you whose worlds will change because of yours. So yeah, yeah. this was a good convo. I would, I love you too. I appreciate your vulnerability because I know this is, this is a lot. This is very heavy and I appreciate your vulnerability and I appreciate the emotional give to this because I know this is very like emotionally giving. Yeah, no, I'm actually really afraid that uh, people will be like, what the fuck is she talking about? But you know, it is it, it whatever, yo, like it is what it is. I'm just telling you the truth in my own experience. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, until next time, we'll catch you next Thursday. Cause we're doing Thursday uploads now. Ooh, fun. Ooh, yay. <laughs> All right. Peace. Peace.